We are back after a small hiatus there for a little bit. It has been incredibly hectic for me these past few weeks. Everyone always tells you second semester senior year is the most fun period of your college career. And it's fun. But overall, it's kind of it's kind of a mix of okay, well I'm kind of ready for what's next and oh what is next? So you're kind of in this awkward stage where you're applying for jobs. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do. What's the next chapter of your life going to look like? Where you're going to end up? Where you're going to live? All of that. So that's kind of what's going on with me. Uh, in that time where I haven't been posting the last uh, few weeks, I've done a lot more writing. I've done, I've still recorded kind of segments. Um, nothing that I can really release as a full episode. Um, but I've still been doing things here and there to make sure that I haven't been just completely absent. But we're back now. And we're coming back with a bang. Totally non-controversial topic right off the bat here at the beginning of March when it's it's championship week. We're getting close to Selection Sunday and then the tournament. And this is a time where the NCAA makes a lot of of their money so what better time than to talk about whether or not we should be paying college athletes and so i'm going to reference something that happened earlier this season that kind of sparked this conversation this conversation has been going on for a while but something that happened earlier this season kind of reignited the flame and the controversy over paying college athletes and that's when zion williamson blew his shoe up against UNC in the first minute of the game, tweaked his knee, and he has not played for Duke since. When that happened, the entire sports media world went into a frenzy, including the Twitter experts. And when I say Twitter experts, I don't mean the experts on Twitter. I mean the guys on Twitter that are tweeting back at everybody because they know everything, commenting on Instagram pictures because... They have all the inside sources that have been reported on all the major networks an hour or two before. Those Twitter experts. Everybody went into a frenzy. They were all saying that it's ridiculous that Zion goes out there, risks his health, his future career, everything for Duke, and he doesn't get paid, doesn't get anything worthwhile in return. He should just sit out. Here are the arguments. He's not getting paid, so he should sit out. Well, he's getting a free education, or he's not benefiting anything. There's no reason for him to play there. Here's the thing. There are multiple avenues that we could tackle this this particular problem. And when people talk about playing, paying players, I think they get two separate things mixed into one. Getting paid to play and getting paid for your likeness are two separate issues. You're not allowed to do either under the NCAA, but they're two separate issues. So we're going to tackle this million-dollar question, should NCAA athletes be paid? And we're going to tackle it with the $0 answer. So we're going to start with the first one, and this is the one that's kind of more prevalent this year because of what happened with Zion, and that is should players get paid? This is never going to happen. NCAA athletes will never get paid. 
the NCAA and schools probably don't want to pay them, and we'll get to why they probably don't in a minute. And probably why they don't is because the fact that it's really not an option. There's this massive misconception that every school is just raking in the cash off of athletics. They're making millions and millions of dollars. That's just not true, though. Actually, less than 30 of the 347 Division I schools profit from their athletic programs. That's around 8%. Most schools, if they're lucky, their goal, they strive to break even. And even the schools that do make money aren't bringing in these seven or eight figure numbers that people commonly think that they are. If anything, they're bringing in six figures, if that. And while, yes, that is still a lot of money, that doesn't account for all of the expenses that a program could face. Building renovations, new facilities, anything like that. There are still expenses that could be paid from that besides coaching salaries maintenance of the facilities, all of the normal expenses that they have. So all this money that people think is there to pay athletes isn't there. Another big thing, too, that a lot of people don't realize is that, and this is just the reality of it, okay? This is just how it is. Men's, and in some instances, women's basketball and football are really the only NCAA athletic sports that bring in money, that make money for the athletic department, which means those two sports fund the rest of that school's athletic program. So all of that money that comes from selling out Alabama doesn't go all, a lot of it goes back into Alabama football because that's their biggest sport. But what they don't use doesn't just stay for Alabama football. It goes back to all of the other programs. Same with basketball schools. And that's the reality of it. Most NCAA programs are bigger basketball schools than football schools. You have the Power Five for football, but outside of that, basically every school focuses more on basketball because success in basketball is more attainable through the tournament than a mid-major conference football team beating an SEC team, an ACC team, a Big Ten team, anything like that. So the money's just simply not there. But people still want to pay athletes. So we're going to play a little game here. Let's assume that we have to pay athletes now. Where is that money coming from? Some of it might come from donors. Probably not enough of it. Considering a lot of schools already get major donations and it's still not enough to pay athletes, the donations probably aren't going to cover it. So where this money is going to come from, most likely... Probably fees tacked on to season ticket holders. I know when my dad and I used to have season tickets for Notre Dame football, and we had to pay a ridiculous fee to some something on campus. I don't even remember what it was. So they would probably add fees like that to season ticket holders. So season ticket holders out there, those of you that are already paying thousands of dollars for your tickets every year, do you want to pay another thousand that's realistically i mean that's not an absurd amount to be tacked on that's pretty in line for what a lot of fees are for season ticket holders they're ridiculously high amounts of money like that so that if that doesn't work you don't you don't add fees even if you do you're still going to need more so where's that going to come from that's going to come from student fees 
and what a lot of people don't realize is that in your tuition, so when you pay every semester to go to whatever school you go to, unless you're one of the lucky people that get a full-ride scholarship like these athletes, you're paying student fees. And actually, I don't even know if you do get a full scholarship, do you still have to pay student? I don't know how that works. Obviously, I didn't get a full ride. But likely where this money is going to come from is going to, it's going to come from student fees. I don't know about you, but I find it incredibly difficult to believe that college students who are already struggling to pay for school, and that is an entirely different topic that we're not even going to poke with a 10-foot pole on this show. But I find it hard to believe that college students that are already struggling to pay for their own tuition are going to voluntarily pay more so the people on campus who get free tuition, free clothes, free food, free access to personal trainers, gyms, essentially very expensive gym memberships at much nicer facilities than we could pay for, first selections of class, and so many other benefits, I have a hard time believing that students are going to voluntarily pay more to pay them. That just doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. I, just, I don't see that happening. And if you're one of the people that thinks that you want to pay athletes, and I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to pay college athletes. I just don't think it's practical. It's not that I don't want these guys to have money, guys and girls. It's not that I don't want them to have money. It's just that I don't think it's practical. And so for those of you who want to pay them, I would think about that. If you were a student, would you want to pay more in student fees, add on to your already increasing every year tuition, to pay people that are already getting free tuition, which you're not getting, free clothes, which you're not getting, free food, which you're definitely not getting, first selection in class, unless you're in an honors program at most schools, you're not getting, and so many other benefits. I just don't see it. The next thing, too, is that this would greatly affect mid-majors and smaller schools. Mid-majors have several several players that are good enough to play on Power 5 schools, but they would do so in a much smaller role. So they choose to go to a smaller school and have a bigger role because they know that the more playing time they get, the better exposure they get. However, there are definitely people out there that are chasing the money quick instead of chasing the money smart. There are a lot of players that are playing in mid-majors that would gladly take that bench roll so they could make more money in college and then hope that they can eventually work their way to that next level. That's a little bit of a slippery slope. I put my tinfoil hat on for that one. But I think that is a somewhat valid argument. Now, there's still going to be players that are going to stay in the mid-majors. They're still going to take the playing time over the money now. But I, I think it's fair to say that there are some that would go to the money. The other thing, too, and why I think that would happen, student fees for smaller schools, if they want to combat that, are going to be have to be a lot higher. My school is about 8000 I would have to pay, if, I wanted, if, if our athletes at Belmont wanted to make the same amount of money that an athlete at Alabama or another big state school would, we'd have to pay a lot more. And there's going to be a lot more pushback. And the other sad reality, and this is very much the case at Belmont, where I'm kind of the exception. Most people just, they, they don't really care about athletics. 
There's a lot of schools where people don't care about athletics. And they're not going to be happy if they have to pay more. And if a school can't afford to pay, then they're just probably not going to go there. They'll go to another school at a similar level that can pay them. It's just not practical. Here's the other thing. Students, even those that would gladly pay football and basketball players in student fees and other ways, need to be aware of one other thing. Title IX. Title IX is a good thing, but at the same time, it also makes paying athletes much less likely to ever happen. Title IX essentially requires all NCAA athletes from different sports to be compensated equally. It also requires that there are the same number of scholarship athletes of men and women at schools and that the same number of uh, equal conference NCAA sports are offered. So that's why my sister was an equestrian rider at Baylor. They had an equestrian team because they had a football team. So a women's equestrian team is a D1 NCAA sport that balanced the football team because there was no women's Division I football team at Baylor. This means that the starting quarterback for the football team would get paid the exact same amount as the backup goalie on the water polo team. They'd get paid the same amount as the field hockey player. The men's or women's volleyball player, the cross country, fencing, rowing. Because of Title IX, they all have to get paid the same. But they're also getting the same benefits. My sister got the same benefits as the football team for equestrian, a sport that really no one cared about. They never had big amounts of students or fans showing up at the events. I went to a couple. They were fun. I loved watching her growing up. But the market's just not there. So Title IX is just kind of another reason why it's just not practical to pay NCAA athletes. So we're going to make a hop over now, kind of talk about the likeness, and then I also want to hit on one other thing, and that applies mostly to the Zion situation, more so Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett and their situation and their future, and that's the one and done thing in college basketball. But we're going to get to that in a minute. We're going to talk about likeness. Well, I don't think it's practical to pay NCAA athletes to play. I do believe that they should be able to make money off of their likeness. So, for instance, if a Kansas basketball player wants to do a local endorsement in Kansas, I don't see why they shouldn't be able to do that. I also don't see why they should be able to if they want to sell their jerseys after the season. You see, some athletes sell them after they graduate, Keelan Martin from Butler did that. But I, I don't understand why they can't. They own the jerseys, their shoes, all of that. I don't understand why they can't sell that and make a little extra money. Especially because it's so difficult for athletes to get a job and make money some other way. And while their expenses are relatively low, it's they, it's, they still need to be able to make money. One thing that I... And this is like the biggest argument for being able to pay players. And again, it goes back to a lot of people think that when you say pay players, paying them, getting paid for their likeness and then paying them to play are the same thing and they're not. They're separate issues. But one argument people always make are college jerseys. And of course, the colleges get around this by not putting their name on it. They just use the number of certain players. I recently 
I recently got a Butler basketball jersey. I had the number 22 on it, which is Sean McDermott. I would have never bought a Sean McDermott jersey. I did because that was the only number they offered. Like I said earlier, I also used to go to a lot of Notre Dame games. They typically only sell jerseys with two, maybe three numbers. And those numbers are decided by the school. So you only pay certain players for jersey sales, which are a lot of jerseys. But the school decides who. And maybe they could, I mean, with professional sports, you can get jerseys made to be whatever player. Maybe they could do that for college. I don't see that happening. So jersey sales are a touchy subject. I don't necessarily know if you can pay players for that because the players that don't get their numbers picked to be in the bookstore or whatever are going to be upset about that. That's a weird kind of touchy area. I do, though, think that players should be able to get paid for their likeness and that they should also, if they choose, be able to get be able to get jobs. What I really mean is it should be easier for them to be able to get jobs, even though they really don't have time for it. I don't think many would get jobs because the the scheduling of a student athlete is absolutely ridiculous. So like I said, we were going to have a fun conversation about the one and done. And those of you who know me, this podcast hasn't been going on long enough for many of you to know this about me, but those of you who know me personally know that I'm not a fan of one and done. I really, there are exceptions. Someone's going to be, oh, LeBron James, Kobe, they didn't go to high school or they didn't go to college. You're telling me Zion needs to stay a second year in Duke? There are exceptions, but I I think you benefit more from staying an extra year in almost all circumstances. And if, if it were me, what I think is the smartest way to go about this, and I mean, people say that you don't gain anything from one year in college and that you'll never use that education. I disagree. Scott Van Pelt made this argument. I'm going to steal his argument. He said that Barack Obama's not going to come watch you play in the G League. He'll come watch you play at Duke against UNC. And that is so true. College basketball and college athletics is an extension of your brand. If you don't think you're getting anything from playing for Coach K, Tom Izzo, Bayheim, Roy Williams, you are comp- you're missing out. If you're going to any of those schools, any of the top schools with the best coaches, and you're just sitting there thinking, I just want to make my money next year. You're missing out on a unique opportunity that most people will never get to play for one of the best, some of the best coaches in the history of coaching. This is kind of what I was, if this is how I think it would go. This would be the perfect scenario for me. If it were me, I would take two years. I would take classes that are applicable for me, I would take some broadcast, some journalism classes. I would kind of skip the gen eds. I would take the ones that are required at that specific time, but I would just kind of skip the gen eds. I would take some of the classes that interest me and seem useful for me post-athletics. I would stay two years and develop. For basketball, college basketball is much more of a team game than the NBA. You stay two years. You learn how to be a teammate. Work as a unit. 
play along other great players because that's what the NBA is now. The NBA is all of these all-star players teaming up with each other. If you can stay those two extra years, that extra year, those two extra years, learn how to play with a team, get other guys involved and be one unit, you're going to you're going to benefit greatly. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green all stayed multiple years in college, learned how to play team basketball. Arguably the best dynasty ever to play. They're all good players, and that helps. But you're not going to tell me that staying the extra years, learning to play as a team, and develop that way didn't. Look at the all-star team. Most of the guys who made the all-star team either played professionally overseas for multiple years or stayed in college for multiple years. And those guys that stayed in college for multiple years are typically the guys that are leading their teams. Like I said, you have exceptions. LeBron, probably Zion. But Katie and Westbrook, they couldn't win together. Both went one and done. They couldn't win. Steph, Clay, Draymond all played multiple years. They came in and win. Kyrie left. And he's calling LeBron saying, I didn't know it was this hard. Because he didn't. they don't take the steps. They're great players, but they're not winning. KD didn't win until he joined the three other guys that had already won. I'm all for player mobility. I'm not holding that against KD, but for the sake of this argument. A lot of players want to get to the NBA as quick as possible. And they miss out on incredible opportunities to play for some of the best coaches. So I said I was going to relate this to Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett. Zion Williamson sprained his knee. He hasn't played. He probably won't play. If he does, it'll be for the NCAA tournament. There's no reason for him to come back for the ACC tournament. Those two guys have been in the shadows of Zion just because of the hype around Zion. They've had several games where they could prove how great they are and how ready they are for the NBA. In those games, they're 3-2, and two, and one of those wins was at home against Wake Forest, where they won by one point. They'll probably lose to North Carolina tomorrow. And you can say that they don't have their best player, and that's a valid argument, except when you have the number one, the number two, and the number three pick. If I were R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish, what I would do, and it's not going to happen, but I would stay one more year. This is a weak draft. It's There's not a lot of depth to it. I mean, John Morant is going to be a lottery pick. He's explosive in the Ohio Valley Conference. I don't see it translating. He lost his two big games against Power 5 schools. Lost to conference rival Belmont. If I were Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett, I would stay another year. They were in the shadows of Zion. Now he's hurt. They are falling apart. Duke's not looked like a team that's going to win it all. But they're going to go to the NBA, and they're going to get paid. Probably won't be successful in the NBA as far as championships for a while, depending on what team picks them. Maybe they will. And I hope they do, 
but they're going to miss a once in a lifetime opportunity to be coached by the greatest coach of all time to chase the money a year sooner. Oh, well, what if they get hurt? What if they end their career because of an injury? Well, in the really small chance that that happens, they'll still be in school. We've seen it before. They can transition to the coaching staff, work with the coaching staff, and hopefully work their way into a coaching position. But they can get hurt in the NBA. And the chances of that happening are so small that it's not even worth arguing about. Patience is a virtue. Be patient. Take the opportunity while you have it. You are being coached by one of the best coaches. Stop thinking about the NBA. When you set your sights, when you when you picture this as a one-year pit stop, you don't allow yourself to open up and take in everything that you're getting, the opportunities you're getting with Coach K. If it were me, I would stay a second year because their draft stock is hurt after how they've played without Zion this year. Just like I promised you, a non-controversial first episode back after a short hiatus. Thank you so much for joining in today. We'll have another episode up here in a day or two. We're going to break down the rest of the NBA season and talk about LeBron's Lakers team and the disaster that that has been. But in the meantime, thank you again so much for watching. I will look forward to seeing you guys next time.